The reading this morning is from John, chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. Jesus reinstates Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death in which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Praise God for this reading of his holy word. Are you sitting comfortably? Yes? Well, I hope in the next 15 minutes or so, you'll begin to feel a little bit uncomfortable because that's exactly how Peter felt when he sat by that campfire. But before we go there, let's just ask God to open our hearts. Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit to stir us up anew. Fill our hearts with your love. Help us to look on your face and your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we are continuing the series of the encounters that people had with Jesus after the resurrection. And today is a very important encounter, not just for Peter, but for all of us too. Last week, David took us through the first part of this chapter, reminding us that Jesus appeared at the right time. He appears in time of need. Jesus' appearance is compassionate, and Jesus' appearance is powerful. And as we move into this next part of the chapter, you might notice that there's actually a continuation of these four themes. Now, some Bible versions head this passage, Jesus and Peter. So you might think that they are the only two people involved in this conversation. But verse 15 says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said. So it wasn't just Jesus and Peter. The other disciples were part of this conversation. And that's important too, because when Peter announced at the Last Supper, and you can find this in Luke 22, that he was ready to go with Jesus to prison and to death, he was in front of everyone. 
And it was at this point Jesus said to Peter, when the rooster crows three times, by the time it crows, you will have denied me three times. So in just a few verses, we go from Peter's excitement at the start of this chapter when he sees Jesus on the beach and he leaps or dives into the water and swims to the shore, runs to Jesus, to a different Peter. That initial excitement has passed. And now we have the moment that Peter has probably been dreading, dreading throughout the meal. That moment when Jesus is going to question him. You can almost imagine him sitting there, eating his fish or picking at it. What's Jesus going to say to me? What am I going to say to him? We've probably all seen similar scenes in our households or in households across the land as we've watched children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews and even pets when they have done something wrong, they react. They know they've done something wrong. And they look a little bit sheepish. Sometimes we just need to say the name in a certain way. I remember saying to my son when he was a young lad, Matthew, where he's normally, he's now known as Matt, but if he heard Matthew, he knew something was wrong. And I'm sure you've all done the same. They sort of hang their heads in shame and retreat, wondering how they might get out of the situation. But from young children through to adults, we all learn somehow to carry that sense of guilt when we've done something wrong. And we have that sense here with Peter. Now, as Kit read to us in verse 15, and then again in verse 16, And then again in verse 17, Jesus addresses Peter by his old name, Simon, son of John, not Peter or Cephas, the rock on whom Jesus would build the church, as is said in Matthew 16. Three times Jesus asks Simon Peter the question, do you love me? Why was Jesus doing this? Well, he was helping to, helping Peter to reaffirm his love for Jesus. Perhaps also serving as a reminder of the three times that Jesus, that Peter had disowned Jesus. But there are also two things going on in this passage. Jesus is not only helping Peter to see where he stands in his relationship with him, but he's also reminding him of his calling. In doing so, Jesus is offering the hand of forgiveness. However, part of the problem is that Peter is struggling to forgive himself. He knew that he had let Jesus down and he couldn't overcome that self-guilt. I think it's rather surprising that Peter did not understand that Jesus would forgive him as he was the one who asked the question earlier in Matthew 18.21 Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister?
Peter, who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, not seven times, but 77 times. Having said that, Jesus then went on to share the parable of the unmerciful servant. You might remember it from that chapter in Matthew, with the story of the man who owed 10,000 bags of gold to the king. And the king asked for payment, and the man couldn't uh, pay, so he gets down on his knees and he begs, Lord, uh, king, just forgive me, I can't pay, Let me give me a longer time to pay. And the king takes mercy, takes pity on him. And he cancelled the debt. However, the same man who'd gone begging was owed some money, a much smaller sum by a fellow servant. 100 pieces of silver. And he demanded immediate payment. That fellow servant couldn't pay. Even though the fellow servant got down on his knees and begged for forgiveness... Our man was not having it. And he had the fellow servant jailed until he could pay back the debt. The other servants were annoyed. They told the king, who immediately threw our man into prison until he could pay. And the chapter concludes with these words. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart Peter must have known that ultimately no matter what he had done he would be forgiven but still that fear that guilt ate away at him he struggled to forgive himself because he knew he had let Jesus down Now, I think if we think about it, there will be areas in our lives where we know we have let Jesus down. So, can I ask a question? What is holding you back because you struggle to forgive yourself? Might be you've let someone down. Might be you have done some wrong. Might be you've let God down. Well, today is a day to unpack that. Peter felt unworthy, but he needn't have. And if we feel unworthy, we needn't, because God will forgive us. Know that Jesus has paid the price for you, for me, that he can forgive us. Therefore, we should be able to forgive ourselves. But also in this passage, we learn about Jesus forgiving others. And Jesus always teaches and models for us how we should behave. In fact, we've already practiced one of those things today. We asked for forgiveness and said that we would forgive others. And we did that earlier in the service when we all spoke the Lord's Prayer together. If we're honest with ourselves, we will sometimes just gloss over the words as they appear on the screen or because we know them by rote and not actually think about them. 
Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Think about them. How many of us find it easier to ask for forgiveness rather than give it? But I suppose it works both ways. Some of us might find it easier to give forgive somebody rather than ask for it ourselves. So my next question is, who is there in your life who has wronged you in the past? Have you forgiven them? Or do you still carry a a grudge or harboring bitterness or fear or resentment? Please don't. Learning to forgive others can sometimes be really tricky for us. However, if we don't deal with these things from the past, they will weigh us down. They'll become like a heavy yoke around our necks, holding us in bondage while not allowing us to live the freedom and and live the life that Christ wants us to live. As I was thinking about this earlier this week, a story from Nelson Mandela's uh, book, Long Walk to Freedom, came to mind. And he speaks about the journey to his car, and if you've seen the film even, you will remember it, that long walk, the last part, after years of incarceration. He speaks about the feelings and emotions he was experiencing. He said that it would have been so easy for him to hate the people who had confined him unjustly for so long, to hold anger against the authorities, but to do so would cause him to continue to be bound by the chains of the past and he wouldn't be free. In letting those chains go, in forgiving all that happened, he was able to walk forward into a new way and begin the process of healing and peace, not just for himself, but for his country. There's a real-life lesson in that for all of us about letting go of the past and not being constrained by the chains, for then we are released to do good in the world just as Jesus wanted us to do. Murray mentioned in the prayer about the the needless slaughter of the ten people who were out just doing their shopping last weekend. And it's sometimes hard to come to terms with why something like that happens. And we end up asking ourselves, why? And we ask God, why God? But I came across a a similar story um, while I was reading a book by Alistair McGrath. And it's the story of the Amish. Now, if you know anything of the Amish, if you've read or seen any of the films or newspapers, the Amish are the most peaceable people you could ever meet. They love God, and that comes through in all of their values. But in October 2006, a gunman who was angry with God broke into an Amish school in Pennsylvania. And the Amish people, says McGrath, 
because they live with a moral authority and the teaching of Jesus, when the girls were killed, the Amish people did not look for revenge. They called for forgiveness, even for the man who killed their children. And what struck me about that story was the depth of forgiveness shown by that community, not just to the killer, but to his family. And so often the families are the ones who are caught up in it through no fault of their own. They didn't want violence, just the offering of forgiveness. The killer's family said later, they're not sure what they would have done how they would have been able to carry on without that generosity of spirit shown to them. It brought much needed healing to them. And perhaps that's what Jesus was doing for Peter. He was helping to heal Peter through the questions he asked. Peter still struggled because of that thing that goes on inside of us. He couldn't forgive himself How on earth could he expect Jesus to forgive him? As in the days before Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus demonstrates through his words and his action around that campfire that he is still one step ahead of the disciples, providing for their needs, helping them to heal, serving them. And perhaps therein, is a lesson for us as a church as we seek to learn from that as we seek to reach the broken in our community perhaps even the broken sitting here today or watching online Peter is reconciled to Jesus and Jesus recommissioned him To feed my sheep. Peter's honesty and brokenness in front of the other disciples, rather than make him look weak, may have strengthened his position as a leader and and strengthened his faith in Christ. For the second time, Peter's life was transformed by Christ. This time by the transformative power of forgiveness and forgiveness does hold a certain power but we should handle it with grace and finally although the word forgiveness is not used in the passage that was read to us the heading at the start of the NIV version refers to the reinstatement of Peter so it's safe to assume that Jesus did forgive Peter. But the part we heard ends with Jesus saying to Peter, follow me. Oh, well, he didn't say, all that stuff is put behind us. But you could imagine that's the thinking that's going on. Follow me. Peter was set free to follow Jesus and he went on to establish the early church and none of that would have been possible without the unfailing love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ so where in our lives do we need that unfailing love 
and forgiveness today? Where do we need to cry out to God, forgive me, Lord? Where are we being called to forgive others so that we're not bound up in our past and can be set free and recommissioned into God's service to live life more fully? I'm going to leave you with those thoughts because in a moment Rachel is going to come and sing to us nothing but the blood of Jesus. And can I encourage you as you listen to the words of the song to think about the verses of scripture, to think about the word and think about where God is challenging you to forgive or where you need to be forgiven. Today is your opportunity to leave those burdens at the foot of the cross. And perhaps, now that you all have your prayer journal, if there is something, write it down and reflect on it this week.